0: Hi, and thanks again for tuning in to The Red-Headed Preacher. My name is Richard Lanford. I'm the pastor at St. Peter's United Church of Christ in Skokie, Illinois. This podcast was recorded on Sunday, January 5th, 2020. It is the 12th day of Christmas, so we lifted up the Christmas theme, but also an epiphany theme since that was also the, you know, the next day. And the scriptures are read by Bill Schaller. The very beginning is accidentally, um, didn't get recorded. And the sermon title is The Honorable.
1: I'm a prisoner for Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. For surely you have already heard of the commission of God's grace that was given me for you and how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I wrote above in a few words, a reading of which will enable you to perceive my understanding of the mystery of Christ. In former generations, this mystery was not made known to humankind, as it has now have been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, That is, the Gentiles have become fellow heirs, members of the same body, and shares in the promise in Christ Jesus through the Gospel. Of this Gospel, I have become a servant according to the gift of God's grace that was given me by the working of His power. Although I am the very least of all saints, this grace was given to me to bring the Gentiles the news of the boundless riches of Christ, and who created all things through the church, the wisdom of God, in its rich variety, might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose that He has carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have access to God, in boldness and confidence through faith in him. This ends the reading from Ephesians. Our second reading is also our gospel lesson. It's a familiar one, the one set for for Epiphany, which is actually tomorrow. The passage is Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. I read from Matthew. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is this child that has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising, and have come to pray him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel." and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left their own country by another road. This ends the reading from Matthew in our scripture readings for this morning's service. May God grant us a wise and generous understanding of this, the word of God for the people of God.
0: I'm not a New Year's resolution kind of guy, but I do take some time to not only reflect a little bit on the passing year, but also think about what I might change in the new year. I look at areas where I might grow. For believers, I suggest our spiritual health is always something to get better at. It's an area to learn, mature, and grow. That's why my minister's desk piece in the January newsletter is what it is. And improving our spiritual health, well, that's true not only for our own benefit, but probably also for the benefit of others around us, too. You and I are at the end of Christmastide, the 12th day of Christmas, with tomorrow being Epiphany. We have undergone a period where spiritual growth was happening, or at least spiritual maintenance, by the procuring and giving of presents. It is Jesus himself who said it is better to give than to receive. And when we give out of love, that's an act of love, the better angels of our natures are at work. So we do observe Epiphany this morning rather than have a service tomorrow morning. But we know we're not forgetting Christmas Tide because of the hymns, and the responses we're singing. The gospel lesson, as Bill said, is an all-too-familiar one, and so should that of the Grand Apostle be. Well, when I get intentional about spiritual growth, I need resources. I benefit from the examples of others who can be inspirational. The readings this morning, as Christmas closes, and Epiphany is tomorrow, sure provide you and me and St. Peter's a pair of solid examples worthy of imitation in our own context. They are, as the title is given, the Honorable. Before I give it away, let me ask a question I think I've asked not too long ago, and that is, who have been influences in your spiritual life? Who have been blessings in your becoming or staying a follower of Jesus? It could be a grandmother, as our friend Angela bore witness to her grandmother on Totenfest last year. It could be a dad, a mom, a pastor or youth leader, a high school friend, college professor, yoga instructor, or a friend at church, or somebody else. Beth has told me that our friend Randy Maloney, at one point in his life, being raised Presbyterian, sought to model his own life after Jesus by his generosity to those in need, lending something of his which someone else needed, and so on. Yet, upon reflection, how often do you or I intentionally turn to the stories and persons of the Bible For inspirational examples. I think Jesus is someone that we turn to for such inspiration and modeling relatively easily and and quickly. It's not for nothing the disciples called him teacher. As we remember and give thanks for Jesus and the others in our personal histories who shape and who mature our souls, let us delve into some other honorables today whose stories can shape ours first up the magi they probably came from what is now iran or iraq following a star riding camels camels laden with luggage and gifts and supplies After looking at some maps, my guess is the journey was roughly 500 miles one way over deserts, as well as, I'm sure, going to cities if they were nearby, whether they were out of the way or not. The distance did not deter them from seeking and finding the child who has been born King of the Jews. Now, we're about to sing of three kings, which the Magi were not. And we have no idea how many of these members of this learned class in Persia, probably astrologers, there were in this pilgrimage. But they did settle up their gifts and all they needed for an open-ended pilgrimage onto camels laden with luggage and supplies and gifts, which they rode on desert sands and roads of, the, of that time for about 500 miles. That's a journey. They willingly took it on, and they encountered Jesus, the child, and as Matthew records, his mother, where they paid him homage or worship. The Magi are worthy of imitation in our own context, in this alone, the willingness to take a long journey. Spiritual growth often takes time, which is A, hard to find, B, hard to commit to if it's open-ended, how long will this take me? But it's not really goal-oriented. C, counter to our instant almost everything culture. And D, counter to our innate instinct to want to see results sort of quickly. Well, not only is the length of their sojourn inspirational and challenging, so can be its cost, the gifts frankincense and myrrh are quote aromatic gum resins obtained from shrubs found in tropical countries of the east according to my study bible so you don't just go down to the corner bethlehem cvs or the jerusalem walgreens to get some no sir they were exotic and valuable gifts then of course there's the gift of gold symbolic of Jesus as the king, but also practical, in that they were going to become refugees in Egypt soon, and they'd need money. Then there are the travel costs, food, camel food, water, at the very least. For we do not know how many persons, how many camels, we surmise these magi were wealthy because who could afford such gifts and this journey from the east and be gone from work so long? All the same, they chose, they were led to put their assets to use in this way, going to find the child who has been born King of the Jews. You know what else they did? They asked for directions. They asked for help in Jerusalem, where the Jewish priests and scribes would know the prophecies better than wise men from the East would, good as they doubtless were. They recognized they could not do this all alone. The star was now close enough to Bethlehem, but they needed some more specifics calculating. They needed help, and they sought it out. This is also evidence of their spiritual development. And a lesson for those of us desiring spiritual growth, find some helpful resources. Talk to someone you trust, and might have a good idea of where to go, what to read, who to listen to, out of their knowledge of you. And there are more and more spiritual directors out there, some of whom are clergy colleagues, uh, whom I know personally and could vouch for, and spiritual directors Unlike the scribes in Jerusalem and Matthew, they may not be in the business of giving answers to everything, but they are to be helpers along the way, resources to be sure. In their dedication, proven by their long, arduous pilgrimage, by the gifts they brought, and by their willingness to ask for help, they give us models of spiritual maturity. The Magi are inspirational They are among the honorable. One last thing. When they were warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their country by another road. They were aided initially by Herod, who accessed the priests and the scribes, who told them the prophecy to Bethlehem. He also said that he wanted to pay the baby king homage, he told them. Herod was a man of means and power, and they were at least people of means, so there was a point of identification between them, but that meant nothing when the dream came and told them not to return to Herod. He was bad news. He bore bad intentions. He lied to you about why he wanted to find out where the child was in detail. So they had the backbone to stick it to him. They disrespected him and they went back east on other roads because of the dream. They stood up, however passively, to an evil man in power under what they must have believed was divine direction. That also bears witness to some spiritual sensitivity and obedience to nudges from the Holy One over and above requests from the King. God comes first. Someone else who nobly put the good news from God before dictates from even his own people is the Apostle Paul. He also stood up for Jesus in his own ways. We heard Bill read the start of Ephesians 3, the important words, this is the reason that I, Paul, am a prisoner for Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. Of this gospel, I have become a servant according to the gift of God's grace that was given me by the working of God's power. Although I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to me to bring the Gentiles the news of the boundless riches of Christ. Paul is a prisoner, eventually winding up in Rome for trial where he would be killed. Do you remember why? Paul was arrested because he aroused the hostility of the Jewish people in Jerusalem by advocating the equality of the Gentiles, or Greeks as they sometimes call them, in the church. And Jewish Christians still went to the temple in Jerusalem. Remember, that's what Peter and John were doing when the blind man on the temple steps called out to them and was healed in Jesus' name, silver or gold. We don't have any, but what we do have, we give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise and walk. He got up, he leapt, and joined them in the throng, headed to the temple. Early Jewish Christians went to temple or synagogue, and if it was okay for them to go, as followers of Jesus, and Gentiles were now equal with them in Christ by faith, it must be okay to bring a Gentile Christian into the temple with you, right? Wrong. Very wrong. Let's leave Ephesians for a moment and go to the book of Acts that tells the story. Paul is now a leader of the young Christian church, and it's, he's in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 21. Here's verse 21. Luke writes that the brothers are speaking to Paul, quote, They have been told about you, Paul, they've been told about you that you teach all the Jews living among the Gentiles to forsake Moses and that you tell them not to circumcise their children or observe the customs. So to show he was not a threat to Jewish practice, Paul shortly after brought four men into the temple for a purification ceremony where sacrifices were made for them. Nothing says any of them were Gentiles. It's a Jewish ritual he was seen participating in in public. Well, after that verse 21... A few verses down, it tells us that Jews from Asia who had seen Paul and these men in the temple seized Paul, shouting, Fellow Israelites, help! This is the man who is teaching everyone everywhere against our people, our law, and this place. More than that, he has actually brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. For they had previously seen trophimus the ephesian with him in the city and they supposed that paul had brought him into the temple end quote so paul was seized he was dragged out of the temple he was beaten and arrested when their attempts to kill him were stopped by law enforcement what was the deal we heard what the orthodox thought they saw that was the big deal it is absolutely it was absolutely forbidden for any non-Jew to enter the temple beyond the outermost court of the Gentiles and that's where the money changers and animal sellers and animal inspectors sold their Passover animals and inspected them and changed Roman coins for approved sanctified temple coins so they could pay their temple taxes That was the court of the Gentiles. It was the outermost court. And no Gentile, no non-Jew, could really go in any further at all under pain of death. And it was posted. It is never clear that Paul had brought Trophimus into the forbidden courts of the temple. But he never said he did not. Instead, in Ephesians, going back to the letter, we hear him call it a grace gift from God to be the primary missionary of the good news of Jesus to these non-Jews. He was breaking taboos for the greater good news. Where the Pharisees and Jews from Asia sought exclusionism, Paul preached and practiced inclusion of Gentiles into the faith, including, apparently, bringing them into the temple. He committed if not civil, then at least religious disobedience, to let the world know that in Jesus you are freed from sin, death, having to be right with God, only by obeying the law of Moses. He angered the Jewish purists with his inclusions based on Jesus, just as the very birth of Jesus provoked wicked Herod. Paul was a prisoner for the sake of the Gentiles, like he wrote, because he lived out his faith that Jesus is for everybody by grace through faith. Those who disagreed on the Jewish side, which at one time was his own side, remember, they vilified, they beat, and ultimately brought about Paul's death. He is a martyr to the gospel of equality in Christ. He joins the Magi as an inspiration, as one of the honorable. Can they, and he, be those as we at St. Peter's identify with and use as resources them is use them as resources for our spiritual growth. Amen. as always, thanks very much for tuning in to the podcast of the red-headed preacher. next Sunday will be January 12th and we'll explore what the scriptures in the lectionary have for that first Sunday after Epiphany. Thanks so much once again for listening, and we will look forward to podcasting for you next Sunday. May God bless you and yours.